Welcome back, baseball fans, to another edition of the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast. I'm Brandon Hall, the Mid-Atlantic Scouting Director, and he's Matt Payne, our North Carolina Scouting Director, and we're going to cover high school baseball across the state. Matt, tons to talk about today as we just finished our top prospect games held at Campbell uh, a little over, really, I think it's uh, two weeks ago. Is that is that right? It seems like it was just yesterday because we're going through the reports and, and all that stuff. But first, how are you doing? Doing good. It does not seem like that long ago. Yeah, this stuff, this stuff sneaks up on us quick, trying to go through all these player reports. And I've had a couple scout days since then. Um, I had a pro case in Virginia where we saw some little kind of guys out as well. Um, but really, the top prospect games is one of our gems of the summer. It's an event that that is kind of the carrot for all these players attending scout days and attending Team Carolina trials. It is a Team Carolina event. Um, we had six teams. We had close to 90 players. I think most players were getting three um, three at-bats in the game. Pitchers were seeing one to two innings, um, and this is all after a workout. And I think we do a good job spacing it where guys are able to showcase themselves really well in a showcase and then you know a little downtime here and there and then play a game um, and, and really excel in the game as well. Overall thoughts from what happened on, on August 2nd at Campbell? Uh, really, really deep event talent-wise. Uh, I think we maybe talked about it off the air. You know, they had three games, and all the games were were clean and well played. You saw good things from from the pitchers we ran out there, and then the hitters hitters also. And uh, it was really good to watch. And you know, you play like that, you don't always get three clean games, and and we did there at our top prospect games. Yeah, I was impressed with kind of the level of <clears throat> energy. You know, again, hot day, we're on turf. Um, we've done this before, so we had a pretty good idea that hey, we need to give these guys some breaks here and there. Um, we don't need to just roll right in out of out of a workout and directly end everything that's happening. Um, but the players themselves brought energy. I mean, really, I, I was impressed with the 60 times. Sometimes you see at the end of the year, some of the 60 times start to dwindle. Uh, extremely impressed with BP, which you know, not not requiring a ton of energy, but taking the BP and then taking into a game and watching guys go hard 90s, watching guys go first to third second home, forcing infielders to play at a, at, a, at a higher pace makes the day roll. You know, and you and I both made the comment, we're leaving Campbell. We played three games, um, and we didn't have weather issues, and that, that helps us out. But, you know, I was up that morning at, at 4 o'clock to get there, and, you know, we're leaving the field at 9, and it, I, feel, I still felt refreshed just because the player and the play was so crisp and the players on hand thought really did a good job of, ending their summer on a very high note across the board. Yeah, I thought it flowed really well. Uh, the pace of play was good. And, you know, when you, you know those kids have been to events before, so anytime kids have been through it, uh, they understand what's going on a little better, and it helps with the flow. And I thought everybody had a good time and, uh, you know, one of our best events. It was. And, you know, one of the things that we talk to parents about and we talk to players about throughout the year – is, you know, and we get the question with just about every event we run, our college coach is going to be there, our college coach is going to be there. Well, because of what, how we're classified by the NCAA as a scouting service, because we do throw rankings out there, we do run events, there's a couple other factors in there in terms of us being a scouting service where college coaches and pro scouts are paying for our information. Um, and we work hard. I mean, we're, you're on the road a lot. I'm on the road a lot. We're seeing a lot of baseball, you know, and, and we're not charging an arm and leg for those guys, but they – they do look to us at times to help fill in some gaps for what they're going, what they've got going on. And so it is a paid service. And 
we can't say, hey, there's going to be 30 schools there because we're not allowed to pay those guys by NCAA rule. This is an event that's typically drawn, you know, 12 to 25 college coaches, pro scouts. You know, this year, I think we were right at nine to 10. Um, and with the roster we put together, you and I were both disappointed with that number. Um, but even during the event, you're getting phone calls off stuff we're tweeting. I'm getting phone calls off stuff we're tweeting. And then the next day, I'm on vacation. I, you know, I left at nine o'clock. I went back to the beach. I'm on the beach. I got a, a koozie with an with an undisclosed beverage in my hand, and my cell phone's going berserk. And I, I probably had, I told you, I probably had 25, 30, 35 phone calls from different schools and some pro scouts saying, what about this guy? What about this guy? What about this guy? And I basically told those guys, we are going to have all that information out on Monday. The guys that were there get first licks. And I know some of those guys set up visits before even Monday showed up. And, and we had some guys go and see some schools and walk around. And I know on Monday, you know, as the numbers were posted, as names were out there, as, as all the contact information was available, I know there were guys that weren't at the event that were setting up visits with guys that were at the event. You know, not going to throw anybody under the bus, but, you know, it, it's one of those things that we deal with. And I, I think it's a unique situation and a lot of it. And you talk to the number of people you talk, talk to, you know, after that event is there's a trust with your evaluations. There's a trust with, with my evaluations and what we see. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's, there's always guys there that are probably more well-known than others. And, you know, what people don't realize a lot of times is, is you get questions about some of the maybe lesser known guys or guys that haven't been in the spotlight and, you know, college coaches are asking about those guys too. And um, you know, it's always good for us is to see who they ask about at times, you know, it may be somebody that, that we maybe don't think as much about or uh, didn't jump as much to that day, but they're following the information and, you know, that name pops or they saw something they like and, and we get to talk about those kids too. Yeah. we And we talked, and that's a great point. And again, the roster had about 90. Uh, when I started getting those phone calls and again, I, I would love for every event that we run to have 30 college coaches there. That makes us feel good. It makes the players feel good. There's all sorts of reasons that's not happening, especially with an August 2nd date with the new rules that are in place you know, colleges, from what we understand, were still on the phone with the August 1 date being in place. And they were also, they had set up visits, you know, and, and they, that August 1 thing came, bang, they're allowed to have them on campus. Then they, they had visits rolling. So, yeah, we're going to look at the date in the future and see if that date really fits what we want to do. Um, you know, but I started counting and I, I had over 60 players on that roster that college coaches specifically asked about, not guys I brought up. I probably brought up you know, close to every player based on schools I was talking to, you know, because we try not to. I know you played at NC State, you coached at App State, you coached at um, uh, Caldwell, uh, so junior college level, um, you know, and for us to say, okay, this guy tears as a, this type of player, and I really don't know, Coach, if he's going to fit your level. I, I don't do that, and I don't do it for a specific reason. Unless I've seen them play a bunch – I don't know what they're recruiting. You know, I have an idea. I have an idea of the type of player that typically fits in the ACC, SEC, the type of player that typically fits in the Division II. But you go through our rankings, there's always outliers. There's always a dude that's kind of sifted into those Division II mix that's in a, a fairly high-level Division One, And it's not a miss on their part. It's just that guy fits their program. And so when I'm talking to these schools, I try not to lump those guys in you know, any different on your end, especially with your background and the number of different places you've been trying to evaluate at different levels? No, I think you, you know, you grade guys out and, 
like you said, it's tough to say a kid can or can't play for you unless you've seen their program play quite often. You know, that'd be, you know, if you haven't seen them play, that's a hard judgment to make for that program. But you can't tell them what, what we saw and what the kid can and can't do and, you know, let them go from there. And I think uh, some people probably don't realize the amount of calls or texts we get from coaches out of state. Right. You know, that, you know, it's it's a long trip for them and, you know, they can't be everywhere. And, you know, they're following what we're doing and, and see names or see guys that, may fit their program and they reach out and ask about those guys and, you know, see if it's something they should pursue or not. Well, and one school that, that kind of does that and they, they're a border state to North Carolina and they, they do a really good job of tracking us. And, and you can tell because when we run bigger events, we get phone calls and emails and then we start to see where guys are taking visits and things like that. Well, they showed up to our border battle. And I think to date they've got three commitments out of the border battle. You know, and for me, it's one of those things, too. We're, we're not going to publish, hey, look what we did. And because we ran the border battle and this kid came to the border battle and this school came. I don't know how long that school has been recruiting that player. You know, I don't know if that was the deciding factor or if that was the first time they saw him. Or, you know, we're, we're here just to make sure that players have a, a lot of different ways of connecting with college coaches. So, yes, one way is attending the events that college coaches attend. And we love those events, and those events are usually have high-level players, and those events usually run really well. But in all honesty, that's in terms of the way college coaches use us, that's a very small percentage. You know, and, and you were at App State, and you were recruiting the Midwest, and you were recruiting the Southeast, and PBR was kind of in its infancy in the Southeast, but it's rolling in the Midwest. You know, without it, I don't even know that we've talked about this, but I would guarantee that when you were trying to get out of the region – you were using it to build lists that when you went into that region, you already had some history on what those players were and what you really wanted to go see. Absolutely. I mean, you, you Midwest and Northeast, they'd run the events and you didn't necessarily have to be there. You could see what happened at the event and uh, guys you like to figure out who they play for in the summer, what teams are on. And then, you know, that trip that's on your recruiting calendar, Hey, this kid's going to be there. That kid's going to be there. And, you know, you need to pop in and see them while you're at the event or run that team down and, uh, you know, very, very helpful, you know, without it then, you know, we've been going in blind to some of those regions and not having names and, you know, it allows people to build lists and, and uh, you know, they may be coming out to watch and you, you don't even know it. Right. And, and for me, when we were recruiting in, in, in Ohio was an area we got into heavily. We just had some success. There. I don't know what the reason was, but, you know, once you have about a five-year period where you're pulling kids out of the same state, and you can show the roster, you know, every kid in that state becomes open to it. And Chris Valentine runs Ohio, and, and I would go through their list. And, and I, their rankings weren't always right to me, but they, they weren't wrong. You know, they, they, weren't, they didn't have players jumbled all over the place. And so I had the ability to go through and say, okay, we need left-handed pitching, and we're going to spend money on these guys. We can go out of state for that. And so I would go through and watch every left-handed pitcher that fit a certain criteria and so now I'm watching 30 to 35 pitchers out of that state. And by the time I take my trip to Ohio, I've got it down to six. And I'm going to go see those six guys twice in two weeks instead of having to chase 35 guys and, and figure out, do, does it fit? And do I you know I can go sit. I can go sit and watch this guy long toss. I can sit and watch his bullpen. I can sit and watch his entire game performance. Good, bad, ugly, and different. And I got a pretty good feel for who he is because I've already done my homework on him. And, you know, those are the types of things I don't think players always understand in terms of how we're being used and, and, and how coaches are seeing this stuff. And, you know, having updated video, having updated numbers, 
the rankings matter kind of sort of just that you're on the list. Um, but really, most coaches are using the search database and are able to plug in. I want a six foot two lefty. I want at least 83. I want spin rate to be X. I want, you know, and all of a sudden they've kind of built this picture they're looking for and boom, 35 names pop up and I can watch those videos pretty quick and move on. Yeah. I was with some college guys this weekend and, you know, we were talking about recruiting a little bit and one thing players may not know is, you know, we're talking and, you know, some schools, they get names, they like touching base with the kid right away. And, you know, maybe even before they've seen them in person, they make that contact and then, other schools, they get the name and, you know, they watch you play and, and, and go through a little bit more of a process before they even make contact with you, you know, versus, hey, we're going to talk to a kid if we aren't serious. And then there's some schools that'll, you know, they'll, they'll talk to a ton of kids and it, it may never go past that. So schools diff- do it different ways and you never really know when you're on a list or being followed. And, you know, I think that's important for kids, you know, when you're playing, you never know who's there to see you or whose list you're on and, you know, what's going on behind the scenes with the recruiting process. It's a great point to the way the recruiting process can roll for players. And, you know, there are programs that are just straight stat driven. If you do X, Y, and Z, we're going to offer you, we'll figure out personality and do you fit and do you fit academic? None of that matters to us right now. We want to, do you do X, Y, and Z? These things help us win. We'll figure the rest out. Whereas then you have the inverse. You have coaches that are very dialed into, can he communicate with me? Can he communicate with our staff? Can he communicate with our team? Does he fit our culture? Is he going to fit the things that we want to do? We had one in North Carolina actually commit last week or the week before, and a lot of the commitment was based on the relationship the player built with the head coach. And, you know, trying to figure out, was this a reach? Was it not a reach? You know, and how all that stuff plays into it. He's a good player who's got upside. And when you look at the program, they've taken players like that in the past, and they've gotten better. And so no matter what we have him ranked or what other people think about him, they see that player and they see their alumni who's now in the minors and go, hey, he doesn't have to come in here and do it immediately. We have time to do X, Y, and Z with him. We have time to get him to make adjustments. But the biggest thing is he is completely bought in and ate up with us, and he has a great he does a great job of communicating with us. And so when he hits the field first day, day one as a freshman, there's not going to be that learning curve on how do I deal with the coaching staff. We can hit that learning curve in terms of what we're going to do with his body and what we're going to do with his swing and what we're going to do with his feet. We don't have to worry about the other stuff. And that school pulled the trigger on him, you know. And those are the things I think sometimes when, when everybody's looking at how, do, how does the recruiting stuff play out. There are fits. There are players that just simply fit the coaching staff and the school and what they're wanting, whether that's their their metrics or whether that's a personality Different schools look for different things. Absolutely. And, you know, some schools will, you know, the process happens a little slower. They'll, they'll talk to you and build that relationship before an offer or it ever really gets serious. And then with some programs, when they call you, they're ready to get you on campus and make the offer right away. And, you know, everybody handles it differently school-wise, and that makes the process different for players a lot of times. Well, talk a little bit about the difference from maybe even junior college and in, in the four-year. You're, you're at a junior college – and I, you know, some junior colleges even have it in their in their system or with their presidents and athletic directors. Hey, we need to be at sixty in the fall for you know just for our fundraising. That's the number we need, you know. Versus a school that says, "Hey, it's a Division One, and the Division One number used to be was thirty five. You can't go over thirty five because we're not going to be cutting players left and right." 
you know, and you worked at two, you know, two institutions that may have done things completely differently. And how did that adjust the way you go about recruiting those players and what you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, it's different school-wise and budget-wise and, and what they're allowed to do. And we hear it all the time. You know, I, I really like that kid, but, you know, we don't we don't have a spot right now. Or we have three old guys at his position ahead of him right now. So we would love to have him. He can play for us. But, you know, we're, there's no point in us recruiting him right now because we don't have that spot or roster space. And, you know, some, some JUCOs, you know, unlimited roster, they'll try to build it early and get as many kids in and, and – you know, let it filter out once they get on campus. And, you know, even, you know, you hear some JUCO guys, they, they see guys they like and they automatically assume they're getting Division One interest. So they feel like they might be wasting their time with that kid, you know, at a, at a certain point in the process and try to let it play out for the kid a little bit. And, you know, if he doesn't get what he wants and then the JUCO's there, you know, hey, you know, we like you, you know, we'd love to have you. And uh, it's just, it's different. And I think a lot of people don't realize what limitations college coaches have on them at times. You know, some people are allowed to go out and as many kids as you want, we can cut whoever and there's no repercussions. And uh, then other kids is like, you you know, you have to be at a certain number and you aren't allowed to go over and they start recruiting too many kids. Then uh, they get a bad rap for, for letting kids go before they even get on campus. Yeah. Well, let's transition off of that back into the top prospect games and talk a little bit about the players that were there. A really a loaded roster, again, close to 90 players. And we're going to start offensively with some of the guys from the 2024 class that stood out. And, you know, just across the board, who were some of the better athletes that you saw in that rising 24 class that may still be on the board for college coaches? Look at some of the run times from the 24 class. Obviously, you know, Tommy Williams, we saw him earlier this summer. Um, top 60 time of the day, 6'7". Uh, continues to show, show some pop MVP and – uh, Kylan O'Dean, another outfielder that runs well. Parker Cato, left-handed hitting outfielder, uh, sub-seven runner. And, you know, each time I saw him, I've really liked the swing. It's a, it's a smooth left-handed swing, and I think he's going to get stronger as it goes. And O'Dean's interesting, too, because he's, he's actually receiving some interest as a punter uh, at Weddington, which I think is something fairly new in the last six months or so. But apparently he, he can, um, you know, what, what's the, the Pat McAfee hashtag for the brand? He can hang it up there a little bit. And, um, you know, there's some interest in the families trying to weigh, you know, is there a possibility of doing both and, you know, going and winning a punting spot and getting, you know, football to maybe by year two pay for, you know, his ability to do both. I think it's an interesting concept because he's a good athlete. He's probably a little bit better runner than 6'9". Again, our lasers tend to run a little bit slow compared to some hand watches. You know, it's 130 degrees on that turf or whatever it was those times will kind of differentiate, but I, he plays a little bit faster than that. So he was one that kind of, for me, I'm kind of watching. He's always looked the part, and I think he's starting to kind of figure out where his body's at and has a chance to be maybe a breakout guy as he heads back into Weddington this, this spring. Yeah, another guy, Cameron Turner, I think he was in our, our last wave of players at the event, uh, 2024. He'll be at P27 uh, this fall, but physical yep. kid, Launched some balls in BP, uh, and then and then in the game, you know, I believe he had three at bats, and he was on the barrel every at bat. There's some yeah, yeah. One, one easy to see. One of the more interesting at bats was him versus uh, his summer teammate Riley Treadaway, and I, I, you know, there was some there was some heat in the building, so to speak, under the tents, and him walking up the plate, and Riley's kind of smirking at him, and it was one of those where Riley made a great pitch, and I and I think you know he's on the barrel. He just runs out of barrel right there at the very end, and he, and he skied it. 
but you know, just guys guys that hit balls in the air that are in the air for four, five, six seconds. There's elite bat speed, you know, and he had a max exit velocity of almost 104 miles an hour in BP. So obviously that strength's there. Again, interesting, interesting watch as he kind of goes through the process. Um, you know, can he can he show athleticism to play over at third? Can he show enough athleticism maybe to flip into the outfield? It's a right-handed bat. If he was a left-handed bat, is he already off the off the board? But he's a right-handed bat that may hit 12 home runs as a freshman and may hit 20 by the time he's done. Um, you know, it's just a matter of teams that kind of look to add that power type of bat versus the long, lengthy body, and they're going to develop that body and get it from guys as they develop them into their junior years. Yeah, he's he's strength wise, he's good to go right now. You you put him on a roster. Uh, Matthew Perez, catcher, uh, had a yep. great day at the plate. Um, hit a couple doubles, uh, line drives to both gaps. Uh, solid behind the plate as well. Um, another guy that I liked him. I, I like him uh, back to present. I, I liked him. We got a chance because of the way we do the umpiring, because track man's behind the plate. We don't want a bunch of people behind the plate blocking track man where we got to set it up. So we umpire from behind the mound and we're close. I mean, we're trying to give hitters and pitchers benefit of the doubt here and there. He was easy to throw to. You know, I went back out there for four or five innings. Uh, throughout the day and, and watch certain guys pitch from behind the mound and watch those guys receive. He was easy. I mean, he really received the ball. He funneled the ball back into his belly. Um, the setup was easy. He, even his sequencing, he had some feel for what he was doing back there. And for a young guy, especially on a showcase event like this, where he may not have seen any of these guys before he got back there, um, you know, catching them in the bullpen, he has no idea what their stuff's like. For him to transition that quickly was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was. I you know, sub seven runner too. You may have some versatility to, you know, maybe play a corner outfield spot or bounce around a little bit if you need to. Yep. Um, another guy, I know he's undersized, but Evan Legner uh, shows up, um, made some good plays on the infield, simple swing, barreled some balls. I uh, thought it was a good day for him. And another catcher, Tyler Asbury, 2024. Another guy that's got some physicality, um, you know, continues to throw good at events and, uh, he's got some strength to the plate as well. Two guys I want to get your opinion on because they're a little bit different guy than what you know. my background when we recruit. Again, being at Charlotte, being at Wilmington when I was there, Wilmington's obviously transitioned since then. We recruited a lot of quick twitch, fast twitch, maybe even thinner body types, got them into our weight program, put man strength on them. These two have man strength. Um, the first one's Quentin Blake. Quinn's a 2024 from Greenfield High School. They had a great spring. Watching him play, you go, okay, it makes a lot of sense. He's 6'1", 220. He's going to be dueling this ball because he's going to be trying to play baseball, but he's also a a fairly high-level soccer player. So he's playing soccer for Greenfield. Right-handed hitter. There is elite strength in the swing. There were a couple balls he hit that just took off, and I, I think he hit the house or the batting center they have at Campbell beyond their little bullpen stand once, which was just an absolute freaking missile. But there is there's some swing and miss there a little bit. There's a little stiffness in there. You know, talk to me a little bit about the prospect of Quentin. I know he couldn't run at the event because he had the hamstring issue, but still a lot a lot to like in that body. Yeah, I, I know he's a, a more physical kid, but there's some quickness in there. Um, his hand speed really stands out at the plate, and, you know, and, and the strength in his hands. Uh, when he gets it on the barrel, it's crushed. Uh, I, I think 
you know, somebody that's willing to, you know, dive into a few swing changes and, you know, help him to realize that, you know, he can be, be more relaxed and still generate the same power, uh, you know, and, and clean that up a little bit, I think would be a really good fit for him. Yeah. And the other guy's going to fit that I'm going to talk about is going to fit into this category too. But back in when you, when you were going through high school, when I was going through high school, they had draft and follows. And so a major league club could draft a guy, he could go to a junior college and they would maintain his rights all the way up to the next draft. So as soon as the junior college year was done, that team had his rights. They could sign him prior to the next draft. Quentin and then also Levi Baker. I think both those guys kind of fit that mold of if I was a pro scout and I just wanted to track and see and and I could place a guy to junior college for a year and say, hey, do your thing with him, get him a ton of reps, get some of that rawness out of there. But you're talking about two guys that have big-time bat speed. There's thunder when they're on the barrel. They're just not on the barrel quite enough at times. And then you're trying to figure out, okay, defensively, do they have a chance to, you know, become average to advanced defenders somewhere? You know, tell me what you saw with Levi Baker, a guy we've seen a couple times before. Yeah, looking at the notes, the one thing I wrote down is he has, he has carry off the barrel. You know, he hit some hit some line drives that, that just kept going a little bit. And there's strength there. There's some bat speed there. Uh, I know he's dealt with some injuries in the past that have, you know, affected him defensively a little bit. Uh, but showing up at this, he's he's gotten more athletic and, you know, I think as he gets more reps, uh, he, can, he can develop into a home defensively, and uh, that, that's an interesting follow for a lot of people. Transition a little bit now, Matt, to some of the underclassmen that, that showed up, the 25s, the 26s um, at this event. Again, just loaded top to bottom. I'm looking at guys, you know, as we're going through some of these some of these numbers and just the numbers and the output kind of continue to go, go, and go down the roster. Um, when you're looking at the 25s and 26s, Give me a couple of names that kind of jumped out to you that said, man, he had a great day. Uh, 25's Cannon Lee, uh, athletic kid, pro five. Uh, made a play at shortstop in the game that, you know, kind of makes you, ooh, you know, that, you know, opens your eyes right there. He, 92 across the infield in the workout. Uh, he's got some feel at the plate. Uh, he's a guy I'm, I'm interested to see what he does this year during the during the high school season. Um, another guy left in hitting catcher, Gib Wirt. You know, we saw him years ago at, I think, an open ID and, you know, smaller kid. But, you know, he had a little bit of the skill set. Now the, now the body's changed, and I thought it was a good day for him. Yeah, going back going back to Cannon, you know, he was a guy that he, he went through the workout, and I kind of liked the workout. He went through the workout at short, and I kind of liked the workout at short. And then he was one of the first arms that threw. And I went, okay, it's really raw, but, I mean, that's that's got a chance. You know, and, and he, if we had seen him earlier – he would have been a future games candidate type guy. And then he went back to short and he made that player talking about it. And I, I immediately scratched out my note of pitcher P1, shortstop two, and I flipped those back real quick before anybody else could see what I'd written down. Um, you know, it, it's, it is. It's raw on the mound, but he's got dual potential. But I do think he's probably an infielder first, especially with some of the, some of the athleticism in the swing. Um, you know, you mentioned Gibb. Um, you know, a couple guys for me, Zeb Swingham's a guy we've seen, seen a lot. He's a border battle state champion at, at TC Roberson, just a baseball player. Every time we see him just, just kind of does what he does and is a baseball player, uh, and, and does things at a really high level. Um, I'm scrolling down now. Some of the 26s, uh, Reese. Dylan Palmer. Yeah. 
Reese Fowler in that street. 25 class. Who's yeah, that? Got a, Reese Fowler in that 25 class. Yep. Had, a, had a good day. Fourth holders. Yep. Just finds the barrel, moves pretty well at short. Um, another 25 guy, Benny Whitaker. Yep. Um, long, athletic kid. Frame's got some projection. Uh, first time I'd seen him in a while, and uh, you know he was he was very interesting for me with the, with the frame and the athleticism. And, and it's 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 kind of a weird event. We're trying to break down the event. We're trying to keep the podcast to our, you know our forty five minutes to an hour. You know I, I'm looking at this. If this is another event, I mean we're going we're going fifteen players deep. We got another fifteen. We could easily do a whole another show about. It, it really was a great event. Um, and we're not doing some of these guys justice. We're not leaving guys off on purpose, but it's just there's there's too much to kind of go over, um, you know, as we're kind of going through everything. And um, the thing I was impressed with, you mentioned Whitaker, you mentioned Reese File, um, you know, and I mentioned uh, uh, Zeb, Swingham. You know, so there, there are guys that are built for workouts, and they're going to put up massive numbers in the 60. They're going to show elite arm strength. They're going to show exit velocity off the bat. And then there's guys that are going to do everything across the board pretty good to above average, and then they're going to get in game, and their numbers don't deflate at all. They play faster than their 60. They play really good defense. They're positioning themselves well. They talk to people on the field, even though they don't know them. There's energy to what they're doing. And it's not just that they show an ability to hit. It's they show an ability to put up quality at bats time and time and time again. And, and I thought, you know, this roster, as much as anything else, it had those guys. You know, I, I thought the, the offensive guys, you know, the, the, across the board, all six teams, really forced the pitchers to do their job on the day. You know, quality at bat after quality at bat after quality at bat. You know, being on time for fastball, really not getting out of their zone, forcing guys to, to make pitches to get them out. And again, the, these types of showcases are geared towards pitchers. You're going to get one shot at a guy with a really good arm. He's going to win a lot of those battles. But I thought the offensive guys really made those guys work. Yeah, a lot of great at bats and less at bats we've had to roll in the past. You know, the, the pitchers were staying around the strike zone and, yep. and give, giving hitters a chance and a lot of deep at bats too. And I know you mentioned Palmer, uh, left handed left handed hitter with some juice. Um, Stands out in BP and also stands out in gameplay. And another 26, Caden Nolan. Uh, you know, I know he come in after football, and but he had some really good at-bats here in the game. We're going to continue to post a bunch of information from the top prospect games uh, on the website, www.prepbaseballreport.com. Go to North Carolina, go to showcases and event results. You'll see everything pop up there. If you just go to the news tab, you'll see some of the newer um, – post there. We're going to get into some of the uh, track and evaluations on hitters and pitchers this week. We've got blast evaluations, which um, you know, with this group was was really intriguing to see some of the hand speed and, and some of the acceleration times that these hitters were putting together. And you start trying to piece that together with their exit velocity, with their body types, with their swing types. You start projecting some of the swings forward. Um, you know, I, lots and lots more information to come. Um, but let's transition, Matt, over to some of the pitchers. And we talked about, um, you know, some of these guys that had really good days. And really across the board, I thought they did a really good job of really pounding the strike zone. The big winner on the day was our next-to-last arm that threw. And for the college coaches that stayed, they got a treat because they got an uncommitted rising senior that was up to 91 with a hammer in the zone. 
who is standing at uh, six foot five, two hundred pounds. Um, you know, he wasn't the ace of his high school team early in the summer. He wasn't on, uh, I guess, the the one A team for his his travel organization. Um, but Jack Hedrick, for me, uh, w- was one of the big winners on the night with what he did on the mound as we were closing the event. Yeah, I mean, impressive. Uh, I think you made the comment after after the event, you know, turned himself into a pro a pro follow, pro prospect yeah. right there. And uh, I know we saw him earlier in the summer, and it's it's definitely gotten better since then. He's a big body. I mean, you're trying to figure out where that body's going to go. And, you know, he's done a good job. Of the, the rhythm and the delivery's gotten better. The line's gotten better. His arm's clean. And then and he just lets it rip. And there there were some balls. I mean, uh, inverted induced vertical break averaged about 16, but he had a couple above 20. And so, you know, you're looking when he pitches up in the zone, can he ride that fastball by a guy? And then can he take his breaking ball and start it off? Vinton. It wasn't every breaking ball he threw. It wasn't every fastball he threw. But the, the totality was good enough, but it was some of the outliers that really make you dream and go, man, what has what this guy got a chance to be in six months? And so he's going to be an interesting follow. Uh, talk to him after the event, um, and, and he and his, his pitching coach and some of the other coaches he deals with are taking some downtime as they start to get primed up and ready again for a little bit of the fall. But 6'5", 200, he may get to the spring because he's doing some things the right way. He's giving his body a chance to rest. We may see six, you know, six five two ten, you know, and if if it's six five two ten, does ninety one become ninety three? Um, especially as clean as he is and as good as direction he is. So I'm interested in following him. Uh, another senior that I walked away with, just extremely impressed with, and we've seen him. We actually saw him during COVID as a freshman. Riley Treadaway, right-handed pitcher from DH Connolly. Um, three pitch mix guys at these types of events sometimes don't shine. Um, getting their catcher in line with, hey, I've got a third pitch, showing I can move fastball around. But Riley did a good job. He took control of some of his bats, heavy sink to the fastball. You know, slider's good enough, you know, showing a similar win to the fastball. And I think he has an advanced and a potentially elite changeup with the fade, the arm speed, the window he's working out of. You know, overall fairly athletic delivery. Um, you know, right now listing himself at 5'10", 180. You know, it's a fairly mature frame, so we'll kind of see, you know, wh- where does the strength come from? How does the body redesign itself in the coming years? But the stuff right now has a chance to get guys out of the high level. Yeah, he you know, has an idea of how to pitch and stays in the zone, stays at the bottom of the zone a lot and allows that change up to play. Dalen Boykin, uh, Seth Sharp, Nate Hollenbach, uh, Garrett Arnold, um, uh, Dylan England. Uh, Carter Moore, all these guys were good. All these guys have some upside, all these guys. So, you know, that's the complete list of the guys, the 2024s that were there. Uh, I think all of them right now are uncommitted. And I'm looking at it going, I mean, if I'm a school, there's a reason that I'm following every single one of them. You know, there, there's something that they do that's really intriguing. And if I, I need that on my staff, if I want that on my staff, you know, all, all of those guys are kind of potential guys to, to take a step back on and look at and say, he may help me, and and I think it's going to, you know, that, that's you're seeing as the videos get posted, we're going to see a lot of these guys get a ton of hits on the website um, because I think, and I think some of the videos posted today, is that right? Yeah, it looked like the videos, uh, at least most of them posted today. I know we have a couple more he's working on just to polish them up, but, you know, we're going to start seeing the hits on the website go way up because that group, 
you, you know, and really the uncommitted seniors kind of lead some of that charge of uh, coaches across the country. Um, but even just looking at their numbers, there's a reason to look at every single one of these guys. If you just look at the numbers, there's a number that pops out and goes, that's different, and I'm going to click on him. I'm going to see what he does. As we transition to some of the younger guys, um, again, some really good arms that maybe in years past some of these guys wouldn't be on the board. Um, real quickly, I'll put you on the spot. I know I kind of handle a lot of the pitching stuff, but any of the underclassmen that really stood out to you as, as we were going through the day in terms of stuff or the way they handled themselves or um, just the way they pitched on that day and what you're excited about seeing in the future from them? Uh, Michael Gerganis from Beargrass yep. Charter. Uh, just super clean and, um, I mean, he, re- he really impressed when he was on the mound. Spun the baseball, spun it for a strike, showed the ability to kind of lengthen the spin, get chase. And then the other thing that was fun about him – was his personality. You know, by the end of the deal, he's walking out of the event and he's got four of our coaches making plans to go to some convenience store in Beargrass <laughs> before they go to see him pitch. You know, they're, we're going to Beargrass and he's telling them about the city and he's telling them about what's going on there. And it's a small town and, you know, just really, really fun person to be around. You know, one of those guys that has a chance to light up a dugout, light up a locker room because it's, it's not just about him. He wants everybody to kind of be included. So, even as our guys were talking about him, he's like, yeah, you need to come down here. Let me tell you about my teammate. Let me tell you about this guy you guys haven't Have you seen this guy? You guys need to come see these guys. They can play. You know, and we're trying to get information out of him about what he's doing. He's selling everybody else that he plays with. Um, uh, we mentioned Cannon Lee. Um, J.D. Mace, long, lean body, was one of our better runners, worked out as a dual guy. Um, Burlington Christian, I think he's a basketball player as well. Don't hold me to that, but I think he is 6'5", 195. A little bit choppy in delivery, trying to find his line at times. But again, one of these guys that he did some things that made you go, wow, just for a pitch here or there. The totality was pretty good, but the outliers have a chance to be special. Um, up to 86, induced vertical break, up above 20 um, on, on a couple of pitches, not across the board, which again, those are those outliers. Uh, Peter Boatwright's a guy we've seen in the past. I thought he pitched at a fairly high level. Um, kind of going through some of the names really quick. Chase Kiker. Um, Chase lives in my backyard and goes to Metro Atlanta Christian. I know he's one of your favorites um, as we were going through JFGs in past years, and he's kind of continued to, to excel and get better. This was your first time seeing Chase this year, though, right? Yes, it was. How was he for you? Uh, really impressive. I think what stood out for me – with Chase was uh, the hitters in the dugout talking about his stuff. You know, you, you watched on the side, and then you hear those guys come back to the dugout, and you know, talking about it. it's got a little late jump on it, a little carry through the zone, and uh, really tough to square up, and uh, he was dominant in his time on the mound. Up to 88, spin rate at 2286, but peaked at 2500. Again, he shows a lot of sync, but then occasionally he's able to kind of take a ball and ride it through the zone at 20 and a half inches, induced vertical break. You know, so again, he's that guy. He's got a lot of stuff that works for him right now. The totality of what he does is pretty freaking good. But there's some outliers that tell you that he's still he's still working to get better, and there's still some room to a ceiling. And it sounds weird to say about a 2026, but he's a fairly polished 2026, 5'11", 171. Um, there's strength in the frame. There's some some maturity in the frame. Um, you know, so I, I think he's going to continue to get better. But he has a way of getting guys out right now. 
Um, you know, it, it just top to bottom, just a really, really impressive event. And, and we're not doing the roster justice with the guys we've talked about just today. Cause again, we could chop up every single guy on the roster and, and probably leave this thing at about, you know, six hours and, and, you know, put people to sleep for a lot longer than we normally do uh, talking about player, but it, it's just exciting to me to watch all of these young guys in one spot uh, compete against each other, but then also how they react to each other as they're in the dugout getting a chance to meet them. So fun day for me. Yeah, always a fun day. And, uh, you know, back into the summer, I get to see how a lot of kids have uh, progressed since preseason All-State events or scout days early in the summer. Yeah. We'll slip in here. We're going to talk a little bit about Liquid IV, our, our host for the for the podcast and um, something you and I both have enjoyed. Um, Liquid IV is uh, one convenient package that you can dump into water that's going to accelerate your hydration. It's better than any of the other brands that you see in grocery stores that are sugary products and works a lot faster than water itself in terms of rehydrating uh, players, uh, parents, uh you know, anybody that's out in the hot sun, and it is freaking hot right now. So there's 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. Contains five essential vitamins, including B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. Three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Um, if you use our code, you get 20% off. So Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code PBRNC23. That's PBRNC, the number two, the number three. 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using your promo code at liquidiv.com. And, Matt, we do have some hot days coming up still. We've got a couple things to finish up as we're closing out the summer. And the summer's basically going to transition right into the into the fall. Um, but let's look ahead a little bit. We've got some big things coming up in the fall um, with tournaments, with our first ever All-American game. Um, junior college coverage is going to kick off. What are you looking forward to as we, we you know, briefly start looking at the fall and where these players are, are kind of trending and going to be? Uh, just the idea of more guys in the in the 26 and 27 classes. You know, I think the fall is, a, you know, we know some names and have heard about some people, but uh, you know, especially for the 27s, that list really grows this fall. And uh, our first 27 rankings will come out at some point this winter and, you know, getting to know those guys. And then, uh, you know, some of the 24s we maybe didn't see as much of this summer, seeing where they're at and how their recruiting process is going. Yeah, I'm only a couple weeks away from the kids being out of the house and being able to work it on a normal work schedule, not having people bombard inside the door. So we're getting closer and closer. I know some some players have already started school back, so we wish you guys the best of luck as you're starting whatever year it is you're, you're in. And uh, for the coaches and teachers, best of luck. Um, we're going to continue to bring you the information uh, here on the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina podcast, trying to cover as much of the state as possible. So feel free to hit us up, You know, comment on the video. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, you can comment there. You can hit us up on our website. Email, cell phones are all listed on, on PBR. So anything we can do to kind of continue to help grow the sport, grow the brand, you know, and, and allow these high school players to uh, kind of brand themselves and, and be out there in front of college coaches and pro scouts. And um, that's kind of what we do. So I know we'll be out a bunch. You'll be out covering some tournaments. We've got scout days coming up. We've got some events as we get into October coming up. I'll be at the All-American game in Wisconsin. 
So we're going to be out and about. We're going to be everywhere. It's going to be an exciting time. Yep, All-American game will be really exciting. North Carolina will be well represented, and I'm sure we'll get into that you know, in a couple weeks. We sure will. He's Matt Payne. I'm Brandon Hall. This is the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast, and we'll see you at the future.